Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious lolly Focus Pops or lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Electric Acid. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you it's never too late to write your next chapter. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Transforming 45. This week, I am so excited to welcome a guest that I actually had in the spring and had a massive tech failure for. I'm grateful that she has uh, decided to return and have the best parts of that conversation again. And there are parts of it that have of that original conversation we had that have been just rolling around in my brain, and I can't wait to dive into them. So Sarah Hager of this of the Zen Den, welcome to Transforming 45. I am so glad that you are here. Thank you so much for having me again. Like I was saying to you earlier, everything happens for a reason. There's obviously some tidbits that are going to come out today that uh, needed to come out today. So uh, yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited. Uh, I am the owner of the Zenden. I am a Reiki practitioner and intuitive and also a witch. We'll get into that in a little bit. Um, basically, I'm a survivor, a survivor of narcissistic uh, abuse and addiction. Uh, I had a rough life and I decided that uh, when I hit 30 that I was going to um, really make the effort to change that and break those generational curses to stop them from going to my kids and their kids after. So that's how I got here. Uh, I do a lot of mentoring. I do a lot of energy work. Uh, I just want to help people heal. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, that's really beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. And the work that you do is so powerful. What are the experiences that you had over your life that allow you to show up in this way now? Well, so I could go way back to right. Even when I was a child, I was very severely bullied in school. I never really fit in and I never understood why as a child, I don't think you have the brain capacity to understand why. Um, and then I was homeless at like 13 and I'm talking like homeless, like sleeping in Nathan Phillips square as like a 13 year old girl. I just thank the universe every day that worse things did not happen to me because I could never imagine my child going through that. Um, I ended up getting pregnant at 17 with my first son, who's about to be 18 next week, uh, which is really crazy weird for me. Um, and then I had a second son by 21. I married their dad. He was a narcissist. Um, so I spent 16 years in that relationship, really had no idea who I was. Like when we finally split, I didn't even know what I like to do for fun. And I kind of held myself back. Like I would have people that would be like, hey, you want to go for coffee or you want to do this? And I would just say no. And when I realized that I was putting these constraints on myself, I was like, no, 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 no. I ripped those chains off. And it was like this brand new version of me was born. Um, but that led to a relapse and I relapsed really hard for about a year because I had been in recovery for about three years by the time that me and my ex-husband split. Um, I relapsed really bad. I almost died several times. And I knew that if I didn't stop, I was going to die and I wasn't quite ready for that. So 
Um, it's been about three and a half years I've been on that sobriety journey again, but this time it just feels so differently than it ever has before because the universe and my spirit guides and all of it, everything that surrounds me has really just supported me while I dug into the reasoning behind why I was acting the way I was acting. Why did I feel the need to use drugs? And digging into that, I've actually removed that. And for the first time in my life, I can sit here and tell you that I will never put another drug. I don't even take Tylenol. I will never even put another drug in my body, another drop of alcohol or medicine, unless I'm dying, literally dying. I actually <laughs> uh, waited five days to go to the hospital. I had staph infection in my hand. And the doctor was like, you're crazy. And I was like, yeah, I just didn't want to come here and get pumped full of meds. <laughs> so I dealt with the sore hand. But uh, yeah, that really brought me to where I am. And then when I met my current partner, um, my forever partner, my love of my life, he found me in my mess. Like I was very addicted when he found me and he stood beside me and just supported my growth and encouraged me and kept reminding me of who I was. And for some reason, everything's faded, right? For some reason, that just pulled me out of the fog. And now I'm here helping other people come out of the fog too. And that's my whole thing. Um, like if I can pull myself out, because I was the most negative. Like if any if anybody has ever had an addict in their life, they know exactly what I'm speaking about. I was just not who I wanted to be. And I don't know where I was going with that because I'm just like going back in my mind now. But uh, <laughs> I finally have been able to release all of that hurt. And I'm talking like generational hurt too. My mom and I did, we have a weird relationship. Um, but just releasing that has brought me to here. And I know that if I can do it, you can do it too. And I'm here to hold your hand and I'm here to make you see, feel heard and seen because that's what people want, Lisa. In my experience with working with clients and I've worked with a lot of clients, people just want to be seen and heard. And I want to be that safe space. And I'm going to cry probably because I never had that. So basically my inspiration for who I am right now is who I needed as a child and I didn't have. Yeah, I'm embarking on like teen wellness workshops and stuff as well, because it's a confusing time. And if you don't really have guidance and let's face it, who wants guidance from their mom? I know my kids don't like they're like, OK, well, um, but I just want to help. I want to help the teens before they get to where I am so they don't have to go through all that undigging everything out. But anyway, I could talk about this for hours. Yeah, well, I mean, you just you know, you've just talked about abuse a lot substance abuse trauma like you and it's in such a grounded and peaceful way like that is what's coming through to me as a listener in this moment is just how um smooth your energy is is the word a lot of work yeah I can imagine because, you know, when you talked about being in a narcissistic relationship, the amount of energy that, that, that takes. Without right? being aware of that's what it even was. Yeah. Yeah. Can you, you know, narcissist is a term that we hear almost daily in right. our word. Feel in our word. overused. Yeah. Can you talk about what that, what that term means to you and how you experienced it? Okay. So my kid's dad has a lot of untreated mental health issues on top of it. So I am a true believer working with people of survivors of narcissistic abuse, really only about 5% of the population is a true narcissist. And I'm going to say about the other 95% are just unhealed empaths. Mm -hmm. So that, and I say that because that's where I was. And I thought for a long time that I was a narcissist. And then I realized like, I'm not, I was just very unhealed, which they display the same type of traits. Right. So when I met my kid's dad, I was homeless. We were both homeless. Uh, I got pregnant right away and we just decided we were going to make a life out of it. And I just kind of accepted kind of with that old school thought. Cause I had my parents in my ear. Well, you marry the man you have kids with and you stay together for the kids. And I had no idea who I was, girl. I was like 17 years old and I just embarked on this journey, which I'm thankful for now in the moment I really wasn't, which exacerbated my substance abuse because I didn't know how to deal with life. Um, but I didn't realize until towards the end of our relationship that he was actually a narcissist. You want to know why the funny thing? Because there's a very laid out uh, list of what a narcissist is. And he never thought he was better than other people. So I no way he could have been a narcissist in my brain. But that's the abuse, the abuse brain talking, right? Because I would still defend him all the time for all the stuff he was doing. Um, I see now that he's just very like unhealed and all of his behavior was not about me. 
And once I realized that it wasn't about me, it was this weight lifted off my chest because not only did I deal with that, my mom is an unhealed empath as well with uh, very narcissistic traits herself. So I've always been the fixer my whole life, right? I have to make sure I read the room. I feel where's the energy off? Where do I need to fix it? And it became exhausting. Like my mother and my ex-husband did not get along. You could tell. They didn't argue all the time, but you could just tell. And I would always be trying to smooth out the energy. And when I finally let go and understand that people do what they do based on their view of their own reality, it was like my whole mindset shifted and I was able to release that. And I realized that there was nothing wrong with me. I was not doing the things he was accusing me of, but it was actually him doing the things he was accusing me of. So it was just like this whole like aha moment of holy crap, this isn't me. This isn't about me. This is about him. And funny enough, I did harbor a lot of anger and a lot of resentment towards him for a long time. When we split, he left me with the kids. So that's hard to be a single mom, you know? So I would get in this whole mindset of like, well, you just got to leave and you're lucky. And I was also coming out of my addiction. So like my mind was just crazy. Um, but I ended up going to this breathwork ceremony back in July. Um, I'm actually hosting one here in September again. Uh, I'm so excited to do it. It was probably the most transform transformal healing I've ever done in my life. It cracked me right open. And in the midst of where I was at, I just started sending him love. And I was like, whoa, like, where is this coming from? And then I realized, like, I love him as a human. I don't want to see him suffer no matter what he put me through, because you know what, that's not helping me to wish harm on other people, right? Instead, I turned around and I'm like, you know what, dude, I'm not gonna say his name. Uh, thank you. Thank you for showing me what I needed to learn about myself, what I will never accept again. Just thank you. And he's so baffled by this. He doesn't understand. Why? Because he's still on that same level he's on. And I'm over here like, yeah, dude, we're cool. And he's just yeah. expecting that hate and anger because it was tumultuous. It was, I'm not also too going along with narcissistic abuse, reactive abuse, right? So he would get me to the point where he would whisper stuff to me and he would say things and nobody else would around me would hear me. And then I would snap and then I'd end up getting physical with him. Uh, and then he'd be like, you're crazy. See how crazy you are. Da, 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 da. So I also felt like I was crazy and I had no like compassion for other people. It just, yeah. Narcissistic abuse is a lot. It's yeah. a lot to handle. And especially if you have no idea what's happening. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And you said, well, you've said a number of really powerful things that we, <laughs> that we could dig into, but I think the key of it is that is realizing that someone else's trauma and behavior has actually has nothing to do with you. Yeah. Right. And that is a really powerful place of being able to release. Um, one of the mentors that I worked with described, you know, when you were talking about the breath work and all of a sudden sending love, she talked about, you know, those energetic ties that connect us to other people. She talked about instead of like, traditionally, we think about cutting those cords, right? But she talked about doing it in a, in a way that is loving release. Right. So instead of cutting mm -hmm. it, it's just releasing, just gently go. releasing the end of the cord with love and saying, you are on your journey. And the thing that happens when we're in that cycle of changing ourselves to try to meet the expectations of someone else. And from our perspective, we think that we're trying to help them. But really, all we're doing is changing ourselves and getting in the way of that other person living their journey. So yeah. it's it, that's why it's so energy expensive, because we're holding all of we're we're trying to hold all of this control right at the end of the day right and secrets because nobody really ever knew how bad it was because like i spent 16 years with him and by the end like i stopped talking to my parents about it i stopped talking to my friends and my sister because you know what i was like you guys are giving me solid advice and i'm just keeping this cycle going and i so i just started to try to pretend like everything was okay and it was weird because towards the end of that relationship things we're getting like a little bit better. Like he was starting to participate as like a family member. He would come shopping with me, but it wasn't because I, on the side of like go dealing with this, I'm, I'm growing exponentially in my spirit on my spiritual path. And it wasn't, I don't really feel like it was my human that made that choice. It was my soul that was like, listen, you have to let this go. And it's funny because we had argued and fought so many times. And I remember the night 
that was the last night we spent together. And I had come home from Reiki. I was do, working at a, a massage clinic um, and I was in a great mood. Obviously, Reiki's amazing. And I came home and he was pacing and I was literally like, oh, just that dread mm-hmm. in your stomach. I'm like, what's wrong? Uh, I will spare you of the details, but he had put a phone in my dresser and said that he had recorded me doing whatever he thought I was doing when really it was the TV in the living room he was hearing. Um, And for some reason, like we've had many fights like that, but that sparked something in me. And I was hysterical crying on my bathroom floor. Um, I'm not a woman of like God in the church sense, but I, for the first time in my life, prayed to God, this has to end or I'm going to end because I can't live like this. And it was like instantaneously everything calmed down. We went to sleep and I took him to work the next morning and it was done. Like it was just when you Mm -hmm. ask how fast things can come to you is incredible. Yeah. Yes. And yeah, I'll never forget that. That was like probably like the pivotal change in my life. Yeah. Codependent, right? Yeah. Yeah. And in the question that you asked, you asked for help for yourself. Yeah. Right. Which so often is what we don't do when we're asking for something we ask for it so that I can serve this person like bring me bring me this thing so I can be in service to you bring me this thing so that I can help this person but the but the truth is it's going back to that conversation we had before where we really have to focus on ourselves and our own journey you have to start there when yeah. I speak to my, uh, when I have a new mentoring student come on board, the first thing I start with them is a spiritual hygiene routine. I just made a, put together a journal. It's on Amazon um, yeah. because that is the most important place to start is, is society will have us feel that self-care is selfish. And yeah, it is, but it needs to be because how yeah. am I going to pour to you from my empty cup of resentment when I'm so busy taking care of everybody else uh, that I don't have time for myself. And now I always put myself first and guess what? I have enough energy and enough time to help everybody who comes to my door. Whereas before it was getting very overwhelming because I wasn't dealing with what I needed to work through. You have yeah. to very balance, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think when you added the the word resentment to empty cup, my empty cup of resentment. Yeah. That is so powerful and important because people think like, oh yeah, you know, you can't pour from an empty cup. True. But not only is your cup empty, it's labeled it's labeled, and it is holding all of this rage and pain. Yes. Yes. Which is what causes resentment, which is what makes it so much harder. And if we just try to muscle through that, it's the, what we're pouring out is toxic. Absolutely. Without you even realizing it a lot of the time and it skews your view on your reality. So now you have this skewed reality view that's going to create what's coming up next for you because we're creating what we feel, what we see in our reality based on what we feel on the inside. And a lot of people think that what's on the outside is creating how we feel on the inside. And it's not true. It's exactly the opposite, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And before we started this conversation, we'd been talking about how your experiences in this time also are reflective of um, generational trauma. 100%. Right. So how have you seen that? How do you know when something is showing up in your world as generational trauma? And then what are you doing to rewrite that story now. You just gave me goosebumps because it's funny my whole life. Like I've always said, like, I don't want to be like my mom. Um, So when I feel those, the generational curses coming up, I feel like I'm my mom. Like I'll say something and I feel like I sound like her or I have Mm -hmm. her mindset. And I just, in the moment, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, let's flip the script. And I'm not going to say that this was just like an overnight thing, but like, as time goes on, it gets easier for me to be aware, be aware of what thoughts are coming in your head. We have something like 80,000 thoughts and like most of them are repetitive thoughts that we had yesterday. So how do we expect to change anything if we're just continuously thinking the same thoughts over and over again? Um, But even with my own children, whereas, okay, so this is a touchy subject for me. I might get a little teary eyed. So my son just did this program with um, the job center. So he got job training, paid job training. He got his first paycheck. Like the smile on this kid's face was just like, he's ready. He's ready to like do the damn thing. Um, And I said to my husband, I'm like, you know, what's wild. 
I said, if that was me at that age and my mom didn't have any cash, she would have took my whole paycheck from me and said like, oh, I'll pay you back or whatever. You know what I mean? So with Mm my son, he's like telling me how much money he has and what he's doing. I'm like, listen, babe, that's your paycheck. That's on you. I don't, you don't have to tell me what you're doing with your money. And that just felt really good to me that I could break that generational curse with my children. So it's really, I'm thankful to my mother because she's taught me how to not be with my children. And that's exactly how you break the curses, right? I tell my children, I love them every day. I go out of my way when I'm in a grumpy mood to not bleed onto them. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I'm snappy. I'm it's me. I'm not, you know what I mean? Like we're human. Mm-hmm. Yeah, But I'm very aware of how I speak to my children. I'm very aware of how I speak to anybody's children. Children yeah. are drawn to me from all over. And I feel like it's just they can feel my healing presence. And I just want to be everybody's mom, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely I see it with my kids. And I'm so thankful for it. I'm so thankful that she taught me. And I love my mom very much. Um, and I understand mm-hmm. where she's coming from. And I understand that the way she was was because she has her own traumas and her own hurts. And I think that's important to understand, too. Most yeah. People and parents don't purposefully hurt their children. They just don't know how to deal with what they're dealing with. And as a child, I didn't see that. I thought she was just mean. But as an adult going through my own journey, I understand now. And I think that helped me to forgive and helped me to release a lot of that anger I had towards her because I can see her from a view of compassion. Mm-hmm. You yeah. Know? yeah, absolutely. And I think that is such an important light to shine right. on relationships that are hard right, is knowing that you can both love and care about somebody. I just have to and, Yes. And recognize the harm that they have caused in your life and recognize also the harm that they have experienced. Yeah. Right. Because like you said, people don't come into this world evil and mean. No, they don't. It's, it is the culmination of experiences that a human has. And so being able to see someone in their fullness, right. In their, in their wholeness is what allows us to move forward in a way that is both loving and accountable at the same time. Boundaries are key here. Yes. You know, it's often hard to put in boundaries with somebody that you had in your life, your whole entire life because they're so used to interacting with you in a certain way. There was a period of three years where I didn't speak to my mother um, because I had to pull back so that I could do my healing in order to forgive her so that we could have a relationship because I was very angry. And then um, back in June, something happened at a party. My son got stabbed. He was airlifted to Sunnybrook Hospital. He almost died. And the first person I called after not speaking to her for three years was my mom. And you know what? This is going to make me cry. She came here and she was here in 10 minutes. She was here in 10 minutes after me not speaking to her. So if that Mm -hmm. didn't show me anything in that moment, that woman loves me. That woman Mm -hmm. loves me more than anything, you know? And that was a big shift. My son was okay, by the way. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, But that was a big shift in another one of my realities. Like this woman, I didn't speak to her for so long. And yet she was the first person. Like my dad was like, oh, sorry, we're camping. I'm like, okay, thanks. Uh, She came. Mm -hmm. And she didn't even, we didn't speak on anything that had gone on between us. She literally was just here to support me and help me with Aiden. And that shifted. But also too, like I said, I have boundaries because my mom and me have always had this like dynamic where we just feed into the drama, right? And Mm -hmm. so I've moved past that. I'm not interested in the drama or what's going on with so-and-so because I don't even know them. I really could care less. Um, (laughs) But she'll try to engage me and stuff like that. So now me just putting in like, hey, mom, like, I don't even know these people. Like, I don't really care. And so it's kind of showing her that I'm not going to engage in that stuff anymore. Also, too, I don't answer the phone when I don't feel like answering the phone. And I feel like a lot of people feel obligated to answer when somebody's calling. You're not. You're not. If you need to call back later, go ahead. You don't always have to answer the phone. So that's been a big thing for me too. Yeah, absolutely. And that's such a, I think when we think about boundaries and setting boundaries for ourselves, we think that it has to be such a big, hard, arduous process. Oh, sure. But that strategy is one that I use as well. Like if, if I know that I don't have the energy mm-hmm. to engage in a conversation for either per, like for myself or the person on the other end to feel right. good at the end of it, then I don't answer the phone and I do wait and I call back when I am in a better place. And that's a form and, of self-care. Absolutely. And it's so simple. Yeah, right? it really it's, is. It's, it's the guilt that comes with us. And if you can tackle the guilt as the guilt comes on, because guilt is like, 
the heaviest emotion that we have. Like basically emotions come from love or fear, right? You break it right down to the very bottom. It's either love or it's fear. And Mm -hmm. the guilt is just such a, like humans spend so much time guilting themselves for shoulda, woulda, coulda. But really that you're exactly where you need to be right now all the time. Like there's no shoulda, woulda, coulda. So I don't know whoever introduced that type of thinking, but uh, we're not doing that anymore. (laughs) If you should have, then you woulda. You know what I mean? If it was supposed to happen, it would have happened. Yes. Yeah. No, I know that's one of the things I work on with my clients too, is shifting the word should. I don't like that word at all. No, no. I'm like, no, what do you want? Yes. Right? What feels good? That's okay. And that's the key to manifesting. That's the key to creating your reality, being in flow, doing things that make you feel good. Now I understand we're in this 3D world right now. And yes, sometimes we have to do things like go to a job that we don't like, which I will say that you can change that too. But let's start at the beginning here. Sometimes you kind of just have to work your way through it and then make those changes. You know what I mean? It's not like everything is peaches and cream over here. It's that when the big things hit me now, I don't lose myself over it because I know that I've made it thus far. And I always tell myself that when I get really fearful about like the economy or what's going on or business. And I'm like, you know what? The universe did not bring me to where I am right now today to drop me on my face. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey, (sighs) well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Like it's not going to happen. And for some reason, that just brings me back to center and I keep going. Because trust yeah. me, there's been a few times I've wanted to like throw the towel in on this because, you know, owning your own business is crazy wild. Like some weeks I'm making bank and some weeks I'm like, oh dear. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> for some reason, I just can't stop. I just can't stop. I can't. This is yeah. my purpose. I went through everything I went through so that I could do this. Yeah. And when you really start to look back at your story and the tapestry, right, that's being woven, you can start to pull out those exact pattern changes, Mm -hmm. right, where you're like, oh, that moment is what led me to start weaving this section. And then that's what led me to start weaving this section. And it is the it is the wholeness of the tapestry that gives you this beautiful you know, this beautiful piece of art that is what's becoming your life. Right. And that's also with the shadow work too, integrating all of those areas of my life. At one point, I never would have shared with you what I just shared with you because I was embarrassed. I never would have admitted to you that I was bullied in school. I never would have admitted to you that I was a drug addict. I never would have admitted any of those things. But yeah, like I just see the beauty in it now, Uh you know, and the messages that I get every day from people all over that I help just kind of help me to see the beauty in that too. Because if I didn't go through that, I wouldn't be able to help people as efficiently as I do now. Mm-hmm. Like I have the life experience and I feel like I'm still pretty young to have all that life experience. I have an entire <laughs> lifetime ahead of me of helping people now. Yeah. Which is the exciting part, right? So is exciting. knowing yeah, that you get to continue to write this next chapter and write this next story. And <laughs> And do it with less, and do it with less fear. No fear. No fear at all, girl. Trust me, this whole thing that's going on, it's just a stage, right? It's just a show. Whatever happens, happens. Yep, absolutely. And it is when we start lifting the curtain on, you know, going back to what you're saying about, I wouldn't have said this before because I was embarrassed. Yeah. It's what happens when we lift the curtain on the things that we do, that we would have been, that we held shame around for a long time a lot of shame because you feel like it's your fault, right? Hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. And there's stories that come with us from other times as well, right? Like you and I were talking earlier about, I've talked about it on this podcast before, like the witch wounds yeah. of the past, which I know is part of my soul's contract and journey in this life is healing those wounds that the women in my lineage have held for, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But it's, but it's being like, I, you know, three years ago, I wouldn't have come up publicly and said, yes, I'm a witch. Right. And yes, that a witch is not a negative term. No, that no. is, it, it is, it is power grounded in nature. I was just like, going to say that. What does a witch mean to you, Lisa? Because yeah. to me, that's what it is. To me, being a witch means, and I'm also a Taurus, so I'm a very grounded me earth. Me too. I know. So you get it. In the element, in nature. And that's why you enjoy your cottage. It's not necessarily the beautiful cottage. It's the being outside in the nature and the connection. Yes. And that's really what being a witch is about. Me and my uh, best friend, who's also super witchy, the Reiki witch, I'm sure you hear me talk about her a lot. We go out and forage for our spell work stuff. like, And we never mm -hmm. pick from the trees. We only pick from the ground. It's about respecting nature. It's about being one and understanding that we are all one. All of us humans, Earth, we're one. Yes. You know, and it's about connecting to that. And it's so powerful to connect to that, that side of myself. Like I feel very powerful, whether I'm doing a big elaborate spell with all kinds of herbs and spices and whatever I'm doing, or I'm lighting a candle and saying, yeah, get your shit together. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and, and I think a lot of people shy away from digging into their witchy roots because the movies and this have made it seem like it has to be this big elaborate thing when it's not, because I know that's what stopped me. And I didn't know if I was doing things properly. And then Sam came to me and was like, listen, it's about your intention. And for some reason cracked me open. And now like, girl, I'm doing witchy stuff every day. And my life is improving every single day. And I don't just do it for myself. I do it for the collective, you know? Yes. Because that's another big thing. When you actually I have a card right here, wanting more for others puts me into the energy of abundance. So when I want more for you, I'm introducing myself to abundance for myself. And people need to understand that, right? When you want better for others, you get better yourself. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's the power of a coven. Yeah. And it is the reason why, like, that is the fundamental reason why the co women who are witches were burned because yeah. of the power that they power. understood of being connected to themselves connected to the earth, connected to the planet and connected to each other, Absolutely. right? It's, it is such a beautiful framework for community and for leadership where, because it's all about power to, and not yeah. power over. Right. 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 I've never wanted to relinquish power so much in my life. And when I was very out of control, my entire life, all I wanted was control and power. And now I am no, like Adam will always ask me, he's like, what do you want to watch on TV? I'm like, I don't, I don't want to make decisions. I don't, I don't want to have power over anybody. I just want to be sovereign in myself and worry about me, you know, but that's yes. where the unhealed empath comes from is the control. Like, you know? Yes. Yeah. 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 And the fear, right? So the other component of being really deeply connected to the earth and to the cyclic nature of, of our lives and, you know, living where we live the cycles of the of the of the earth and of the year are so present and obvious Absolutely. and i i relish each one for Every its own single one of them is like <laughs> yes. even in april when i'm like okay winter i'm over it like that happens however i still those those cycles are so necessary in terms of of feeling that connection and releasing when you watch the se the sequence of planting, right? Of fertilizing, of birth, of life and of death. When you really watch it and observe it and let yourself be part of it, it allows you to release the fear, which is the fundamental fear of most humans around what it means when we're not wearing this, this skin suit anymore. Oh, this is my favorite subject. Yeah. This is my favorite thing. So yeah. And like I said to you earlier, a lot of people like I'll often you I have a quirky sense of humor and sometimes I say things and people don't understand my sense of humor. But I often say like 
I'm just done with this planet. I don't even want, I'm ready for the next thing. I'm ready to move on. And people are like, oh my goodness, like, are you okay? And I'm like, girl, I'm good. I'm just saying, I know what is after I leave this meat suit. And I understand that this meat suit is not me. Mm -hmm. And I'm just excited. Death is not a final thing. It's just transformation. Yes. You know, it's just moving on to the next life. Um, It's so beautiful. It's so, and I was a PSW for a lot of years. I've worked with a lot of people that were right on their deathbed. I've been with people that have died. I've taken care of bodies as they've passed on. And it's, to me, it's just the most beautiful thing in the world. It's mm-hmm. the most beautiful thing. Yeah, it really is. And I, like, I've told this story before on the podcast, but I was, I was the only person with my mom when she died. Okay. And, um, I, I think that was intentional on her part. I think that she wasn't able to let go until it was just she and I together. And while it was like, uh, it was the last few days of her life actually, that were so deeply pained, trying to hold on to this life. So, so tightly for you and pardon for you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, because I was only 30 and she was 52 and I had, you know, little babies that she had always wanted to be part of their lives. And she had finally just found some self-actualization. And so she was so mad that she had to leave when she'd finally just accomplished what she wanted. But it was in the moment of her, of her death that there was actually relief. Like, while I knew that I was going to miss her, I was so glad for her that she was no longer suffering. And it was, and it was beautiful. And I remember going from her room to a door of the hospital that looked out into a forest and there was a river running through and it had been gray for days it had been gray and windy and kind of stormy for the last three days and as i stood there watching this river run through the trees this the clouds parted and the sun came out and i was like and there it is this is the cycle that continues to happen right yeah and the energy like people don't really know what energy is most for the most part But understanding that we are energy and all of our loved ones that have passed. And let me tell you, I've lost a lot of people. Uh, My generation has been very hit with the drug epidemic. And a lot of the people that I've lost were due to drugs. But their energy is always around us. Like we can Mm -hmm. always talk to them. They can hear us. They're here, you know. And if we could just get a grasp on that, I think that. First of all, I feel like death is a very selfish thing for the people left behind. We want them to hold on because we don't want to go through the pain and the suffering, right? But to yeah. let go is so beautiful because they're the ones that are suffering. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. But um, yeah, just knowing that you can, like the energy is always around you. And often, I'll tell you something really cool that happens to me when I do readings. I don't claim to be like a medium because I don't really know how to turn it on and off. Um, but I'm very intuitive. And sometimes I'll have people that haven't passed on yet come in through a reading because their higher self came to me. And it's mm-hmm. usually like people who have like a dementia causing disease or are on their deathbed. Because when that happens, I'm a firm believer that you go in between worlds, right? So Judy with dementia to you looks like she's batshit but she's not. She's actually talking to her sister and her mom and her dog and everybody she's telling you she's talking to, but we just scientifically say that they they're losing their minds, but Uh they're not Their Their minds expand and open up so that they can come in between worlds. Yeah. That's a really powerful way of experiencing that because I think it, and, and it gives people another way to approach that time right instead of trying to say like no they're not here like entering into that world with them and letting it letting it be which is such a gentler um more authentic way of interacting with somebody who's in that in between girl dementia care is my favorite thing in the entire world and if i ever went back to psw work that would be where i'm at because i love that girl, tell me about your mom. Tell me where you're going today. Tell me what you're up to and what you're doing versus being around some PSWs that are like, oh, Bridget, your mom died like 80 years ago. And then all of a sudden you're sending that person right back to that moment. And now they're unconsolable. It's just, it's a very delicate thing. So engage in their world. 
What hard yeah. is it for you to engage in their world, man? It's yeah. not. It's not. Yeah, absolutely. They taught us how to use forks at one time. If it wasn't for these people, we wouldn't have this country that we have right now. Mm -hmm. You know, because yeah, they built absolutely. everything and they sacrificed themselves to teaching us like things that we shouldn't ingest because they give us cancer. So, you know yeah. what I mean? Like we, it's just like, it's a whole thing, right? Like it's a cycle. Yeah, and thank you. absolutely. And, and thanking them for their for their yeah for the life that they have lived yeah thank you for showing us what didn't work and now we can change it so it can be better for us yes because i'm telling you every single room i would go into news cnn news and i'm like oh you guys are so indoctrined but i <laughs> understand why so i'm gonna respect you yeah because me telling you at 80 years old what i think about the government is not really gonna jive with you because you don't believe that so it's just gonna cause friction right yeah yeah. And it is, uh, I think there's two, there's two things um, that I think are, are really important in this conversation. And that is one, the lack of respect and care that really is present for people who are at the end of their lives. Um, I had, I had not experienced in this way until the summer, but my grandmother fell and broke her hip. And she's 92, but let me tell you, she's one of the spiciest women I know. I love spices. <laughs> well, she's spicy. And she, um, she actually, she had her hip replaced and was in the hospital for four weeks and it wasn't healing. So they did another MRI and they, and the hip replacement had fallen apart in the socket, but it took them four weeks of her being in pain to really... Yeah, it really accept. So then she had another one. She was waiting in the hospital for uh, a place in a rehab facility. I was with her as we went to the rehab facility, and I could not believe the place that they sent her to. Oh yeah, just it was un. It was there was zero. And, and I'm not talking about the staff who work there. Like right. they were, they were doing the best they could in yeah. really shitty circumstances. The yeah. Yeah. But the, like the, the walls were all banged up. There was no air conditioning. It was the middle of July. They had to move like junk that was around the bed that they were trying to put her in. She ended up being in a room with a woman who screamed all night long. So they moved her from that room into a room with a strange man. There, these are human beings who have lived an entire life yeah. and we are treating them like they have no, like yes, like, yeah, like they have no value no. and that we can just like, sure, put together a man and a woman that have never seen each other. And, and as I walked into the room to visit her, he was there door open, going to the bathroom. I was like, where is the dignity for these right. people? Right. And it is, it is our fear of death that keeps us in a fear of aging. Oh, absolutely. Which is what creates this cycle of abuse and lack of care at the end of life. Where we... Anyway, is a lot of ways people look at it. If yeah. you've ever taken the moment to sit down with somebody who is dying or close to death and ask them questions, like... I'm the, like, I would guess you'd say the black sheep in my family, but I'm the one who sat down with my grandma and my, my dad's like, I can't believe you asked her that. And I'm like, Graham, like, are you afraid to die? Like, what are your thoughts on death? What do you think happens? And we had this just very candid conversation that I feel like a lot of people are afraid to have that conversation. And 99% of the people I've had that conversation with are ready. They're ready for it. You know, mm -hmm. they lived, my grandmother said to me, Sarah, I've gone through two husbands. I'm here alone every single day. Like I'm ready for when it comes, you know? And that just gave me the ability to kind of be the one to stand there when she passes on. I know that I'm going to be able to stand there kind of as like the sturdy foundation for everybody else around me who doesn't understand what death is. Yes. And I feel like yeah. I'm going to get some questions on probably why I'm not crying or freaking out because my grandmother was a very influential woman on my life. She basically raised me for the first five years of my life. Um, she means the world to me, but I'm I'm ready to let her go because I know how she's suffering and she's in yeah. pain and she doesn't want to be here anymore. And my dad is not taking it as well. He's crying. I don't want my mom to die, which I understand. So it's just like, I'm in this really weird, like limbo 
of understanding all of these things. And people don't understand me because I do understand all of these things. Yeah. And that's why there needs to be such a shift around our perception, our understanding, and all of our rituals around death as well. Right. Like we need to start weaving it into our daily lives so that we can have those conversations and not have it be scary or frightening or like, no, we can't talk about that. Right. It's like, this is the sick, this is the cycle of our lives. And I'm going to catch you on the other side. Anyway, we have soul families. We come back over and over together. When you pass on from this body and you go to back to where we come from, the people that have left before you and your animals and any, but any soul that you've had a relationship with is there waiting for you and welcoming you, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like, it's, yeah, it's, but it's, it's just seen as such a finality. And I feel like society made it that way. They want to make a buck off it too. Right. You're not, you got to have like the best funeral and you got to do this or you're going to go to whatever or hell or whatever. I don't even know about any of that stuff anymore. I don't pay attention <laughs> to it, but no, I know. Um, well, it, it again goes back to being an excellent mechanism of control because if you sure. have a population and you keep them afraid yeah. of the one thing that is absolutely guaranteed to happen to you in life, yeah. there's no a- avoiding it. We're not getting out of here alive. No, exactly. Alive, but not in these bodies. And if we, so if we remove that control mechanism and say, you know what, when I die, I, this, like, this is how you will see me, but it starts breaking down all of the, you know, really strong boxes we have created to keep us afraid. Right. Right. And where if we could even the word, it's time to transform the word death into like transition or, or something that is more reflective of what is true. And then I know like when I, when I die, when I transition, I just want everyone to have a big party. Like, let's let's celebrate this life that I live. You know, because I'm feeling it on the other side, doing like whatever I want with whoever I want. Like I get to yes. see everybody that I've ever known in my life. Like, don't be sad for me. Mm-hmm. And don't yeah. be at my funeral saying that I was always smiling and I had a million friends because it's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> and I also think it's funny too that like we don't show up for our people at the end of their lives, but we'll show up at their funeral and just say all these amazing things. But yet you hadn't seen them in years. Yeah. Yeah. Like come to me while I'm alive. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And share all the beautiful things about someone when they are alive. They can hear it in person. Yeah. You know, and that helps them to let go and release too. Absolutely. Because for some reason, a lot of us will hold on until we get permission. I can't tell you how many times I have been with a patient and silently looked them in their eyes and gave them that permission to go. Mm -hmm. Whereas obviously I would never say this out loud with family members there because they would never understand me. I'd be out of a job. But I remember specifically this one woman I'd never met her in my life and she was uh, positive for COVID. So we were gowned. I was sweating. It was bad. And she was freaking like attacking us, freaking out. And she grabbed my hand and she pulled me close to her. And I looked her in her eyes and I was like, listen, you can go. You don't have to hold on anymore. And she actually passed away like four hours later. Yeah. And just, I'll never forget that look in her eyes of, just the gratitude for somebody saying to her, like, you can let go. Mm-hmm. You don't have to stay. It's okay. It's okay. okay. Oh, I got goosebumps. Yeah. And that kind of takes us back to the beginning of our conversation about duality and that multiple things are true at the same time. Absolutely. Because the humans who are here, we will still experience grief because we miss the physical Absolutely. presence of that person. Absolutely. And that's okay. And grief is not linear. And one day yes. you're going to wake up and be happy. And the next day you might not be able to get out of bed because you're sad. And that is okay. It's okay. Yeah. You don't have to push on. You can work through your grief as it needs to be worked through. Yes. It's okay. Absolutely. People just want to hear that, Lisa. It's okay. It's okay. And And you're okay. It's okay. Absolutely. And feeling both things is also okay. You can feel sad because you miss them and you can feel joy and gratitude for the life that they lived yeah. and the life that they will continue to live. And those things can exist at the same time. And it's 100%. okay. 100%. I love yeah. that. Yes. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for this conversation. It was 
even better than the first one. It really was. Like we touched on a lot just there. Yeah, we did. Yeah. And so Zenden, I will make sure that the links for your journals, the Zenden ways to connect with you are all in the show notes of this episode. And I look forward to continuing the conversation. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me today, Lisa. Uh, I really appreciate it. And we, we have good conversation, me and you drive. So it's nice. It's just natural. It flows, right? Absolutely. Thank you so much yeah, for having from me. From two again. redheaded Taurus witches. Yeah, what girl. Else could possibly expect. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Thank you for joining me on this transformative journey. Your support means the world. If you resonated with our conversation and want to uplift the Transforming 45 community, here's what you can do. Connect with me about how you can reclaim your own magic. Check the show notes for all the ways you can find me. Subscribe and share. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you found value here, share it with friends, family, and anyone seeking inspiration. Leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your words can make a significant impact and help others find their way to these transformative stories. Join the conversation on social media platforms. Follow us on Instagram at Lboat. You can also find me on Facebook and TikTok. And if you know someone whose story could inspire others, reach out and let me know. I love connecting with diverse voices that carry the power to transform lives. Remember, your support fuels my mission to share authentic stories of transformation. Thank you for being part of the Transforming 45 family. Until next time, keep shining your light and embracing your journey. I host the rock podcast back to the arena, the interviews. It's about a 30 minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock band like me, subscribe today to back to the arena, the interviews. Electric acid. Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of Her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women.